On Education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's partners, The Sandbox, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities and live streams. If you've got um, floating candles in your Clear the List, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's, that's not, it's not, it's that's not what we need. Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. I'm Brad Shreffler. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will dig into why everyone is worked up about the Get Your Teach On conference, discuss whether there is a standard we should be meeting for decorating our classrooms, and our guest this week is educator, author, and friend of the podcast, Matthew Farber. <laughs> I'm just laughing because it's just me and you. Yeah, it's like just us. It's just us. <laughs> yes. So what's going on, Glenn? Welcome back. Hey, thank you so much. It's it, it's felt like years, and it's it has been weeks, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. It means that the vacation is actually feeling like an actual vacation. Last year felt really weird, uh, like something was always looming in the background, which it was. Um, and though we were off in the summer, it felt like there was all of these things that still needed to get planned for for the following year. Um, and there's some kind of uneasiness in this year, not so much. So took an extended vacation and feel super refreshed. And, and as I'm looking at myself in, in the squad cast thing, I'm like, oh, I have a, a bit of a tan. <laughs> <laughs> a tan I for sure real, have a farmer's tan. Though. You look so, relaxed. Yes, <laughs> you, uh, you, you tripled the population of the Dakotas by visiting your family. Like that's, <laughs> yes. that's pretty cool. Yes. That's a good time. Yes. So, I listened cool. to that episode about the fly by, wait, fly, yeah, over fly states. by state, fly over <laughs> states. Yes. And that when we visit North Dakota, that it triples the population. Yes. It, it is. It, we, we, uh, always like to joke that as we travel down the interstate to Jamestown, North Dakota, there is this gigantic, um, windmill, um, you know, obviously collecting, uh, electricity or whatever it might be, but it's huge. And, and Nicole and I, my wife always say, we point at it and go, Looks like the state is being powered currently, <laughs> you know, by that, <laughs> by, by that one windmill. windmill. That's good. Yes. That's by good. One giant windmill. Yes. It's the it greenest like it's state still... in the country. That's, that's... <laughs> it's just doing really well. It's doing a great job. <laughs> Sorry, North Dakota. <laughs> uh, you know, no, there's literally no one to be offended by it. It's fine. Um, you know, it's all good. Uh, so, oh, hilarious. you know, I, it, it is, it's good to have you back. You know, last week was, was my first week as, as co-host yes. and here I am two weeks in a row. I don't know. This is, it's kind of, like you said, as we started, it's kind of weird. It's just like the two of us. It's it's got to be yes. weird for you, right? Yeah, it's it's strange, um, just because there's certain jobs that Mike and I do, as far as w even within the podcast itself, and even the outline section and whatever planning, blah blah blah, whatever might be, and then just making sure that I'm not uh, being abusive to you, <laughs> being the new person, and going like. Do you want to do this thing? Do you want to do this other thing? I don't know. You know, whatever it might be. So it's, no, I'm super happy to have you. I listened, obviously, to last week's episode as I was editing it, and then I listened to it after it came out. Um, and super happy to have you. Yes, it's like adds a completely different dynamic because I was listening to you and you're back and forth with Mike. I'm like, I, I was cracking up. I'm like, all right, we got we we got a different dynamic in here, and it's actually going to be uh, fantastic. I think. Yeah, I don't know how much anyone will learn from me being around, but like, I hope I can make a couple of people laugh. I'll go for that. That's about. That's hey, about I that that is a an important thing when you're listening to anything or you're watching something. I think is to get some something positive from it, yeah. some kind of emotional thing. And if you're cracking up, heck yeah. Love it. That's all you can hope for. So you yes. have a, you have in the notes here, you're, you're playing Pokemon Unite. Yes. There's a new ish game. I think it just came out within the last few weeks and, um, I am playing it. I'm having my kids are playing it with me too. And it is a cool take on the normal kind of Pokemon Pokemon. If you've never played the kind of console things, it's, is a kind of role play-ish kind of thing where you're collecting items and your and and your Pokemon they do battle, but it's kind of like old school role playing game. Fantastic, they're they're great. Um, this is a uh, online, massively online battle simulator. So it's a five on five battle, and it's hilarious because these little pokey guys are kind of going after each other, you know, <laughs> with their their little uh, abilities. 
and then you score points on the other team. So it's a, it's a take on a little bit of basketball-ish type of stuff because your guys, depending upon the character, they have these animations and they dunk it through this ring once they collect these little Pokeballs or whatever it might be. So it's a it's fun, easy to pick up. Uh, it's free, actually. And if you want to grind it out, that's what I was t- talking to my kids about. If we want to you know, be grinding it out, you, we can earn you know, the characters and the special items and so on. And they're super smart about how they, um, they make it monetized because they offer, you know, these certain things, you know, character dress up types of things. You can buy extra characters and items, et cetera, whatever it might be. So it's a, it's a perfect balance between the monetization and the just playing it just for fun and for free. And it's on the switch right now only. Uh, but I think it's going to be on PC and the steam library. I heard pretty soon. So it's fun. And it, it, you know, what it would be super fun is it was fun. Just kind of just us laughing and playing it together. Well, me and my sons, but I think it would be super awesome if there's a group of us on a team. Like if there's five of you all together and you're actually talking and just like and working through the things, I think that'll be the best. That's that's will be where the game uh, really shines. And you might get me on this one. This might be one yeah. where I have to I have to break down and, and pick this one up. Yes, yes, it could for me. sure. Especially because it's free, dude. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love that. I mean, free is always yes. a win. So, have you been watching any Olympics? I've seen a lot of uh, different tweets on the Olympics, different things, events that have been happening. Been able to catch any of those? I watched a little bit. I watched a little bit over the weekend. Uh, we had my my sister in law here, and and anytime my my wife's family's around, it's a lot of cards. We play uh, play euchre and just sit there and play cards oh, and stuff. And so very uh, cool. we were playing euchre at the table and through the Olympics channels on at night, which is nice because like it's at night, so we were up just playing cards. But then it's like afternoon over there, so it was cool. Um, I gotta say, it, it is there is something tremendously nostalgic about skateboarding being in the Olympics. I am yes. I loved that so much watching skateboarding and like trying to remember the names. I was like, at one point, my wife said, "Oh, that was actually really impressive." I was like, "I think that was a, a double McTwist to a nose grind, <laughs> if I remember my Tony Hawk correctly. I'm pretty sure." <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. So you were a, so you were a skater? No, that no, no, I played Tony Hawk Pro Skater. That was what I did. Oh, that was, yeah, that was, so that's where you got it. That you knew it. the moves. Uh, yeah, I knew yes. all those moves. I was good at. I played so much Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So you know, that's a fantastic game. It is. It that's is. that's a underrated. Uh, on you know on top 100 list i just thought of that right now that it's usually not doesn't appear on those kind of top 100 lists and it's, it should because it revolutionized that type of genre where you can go and play an open world right it was kind of open worldish kind where of, you go uh, and you skate parks you kind do of like thing. runs and you like had so much time and stuff like it was yeah it's crazy i i will so, say the craziest thing yeah. about it is i was watching it and the women skateboarders right there was yes. there was a french skateboarder her name okay. is Charlotte Him. I, I looked this up after the fact. She is okay. 28 years old. And if I heard them right, she is a skateboarder and also a doctor in neuroscience. And no. I don't think that's fair. Like, you can't be both of those things. I don't think that's okay. I don't, I don't, that, I'm not all right with that. What a gifted oh my, human being. Like, <laughs> you know, people don't understand though, Brad, how difficult, like I, 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 I was going to rant about how people were complaining about skateboarding being in the Olympics as a sport and how they can't stand that to whatever, uh, because, you know, they're wearing their earbuds while they skateboard, you know, that was, that was, that's the sign. That's, that's the sign that it's not a real sports yet. We classify things like bowling and, uh, sorry, no, I was thinking about golf. Golf is very skill, highly intensive. It's very difficult to do darts. I was thinking about darts too. Very skill intensive, but I was like, have you ever, been on a skateboard <laughs> that's what i want to ask them <laughs> right just to stay on a skateboard and just go down a sidewalk without hurting yourself you can ask my younger brother who my nephew got a skateboard he was early probably 10 or 11 years old got it for christmas and he was trying to impress him right gets the skateboard is on the driveway just gets on it goes about five feet it flips out from underneath him cracked ribs i mean it is difficult to just stay on it. What they are doing and the manipulations of the board and, and on these just there's some those skate the skate parks themselves that they're using, it's just terrifying how bad <laughs> you could actually hurt yourself. Yeah. 
even the way that they bail and only slightly hurt themselves is is also very athletic and very skill intensive. So I yes. will say it, it was a little yeah. off putting. I, I it genuinely was a little off putting seeing them wearing earbuds in an Olympic sport. But then I thought <laughs> yes. about it. I was like, who cares? Like, 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 in a moment, yeah. I was like, okay, that's weird. But really, who cares? And I think a lot of the people complaining about skateboarding, like, just stopped watching. Because like, because yeah. to me, there's no world in which you watch someone skateboard and do it at yeah. that level and go, how on earth did they make that skateboard go in the air? Like, it yeah. was, there's nothing holding it. They're, they're just, they're on it. And they, it, it just went in the air. I don't get it. It's magic. It's, it's, it's beyond <laughs> my capabilities. That's like, it. My dad is probably the old, the quintessential old crotchety man, and he's not yeah. nearly old enough to be as crotchety as he is, but he is, <laughs> and he'll listen to this and tell me that he's uh, offended by these comments, and I don't care. And <laughs> and and he, even he said, oh, yeah, okay, so we actually watched it for a little bit, and i got to admit, I was pretty impressed. See? There you yes. go. If my old That's crotchety it. man can be impressed by it, it's yeah. it's, it's just too cool. It's Yes, it's super cool, and it... And again, that's kind of one of the great things, I think, about the Olympics themselves. And I, I wasn't exactly going to be watching it or anything. I turned it on, and there was some weird sport. I think it was badminton. And that we, my wife and I love badminton. And we're like, look, watch these people play badminton. This is not, <laughs> this is not your backyard badminton. This is insane. Uh, same thing with uh, table tennis um, and just some of these other sports that it's just people have become these – just amazing athletes and are able to go ahead and display their skills every four years. And, and my, my youngest son especially has been fascinated with just all these strange newish kind of sports. Like, you know, like we're trying to figure out, well, okay, what are the rules here? <laughs> Even the skateboarding thing, you know, where you had certain amount for your runs, you could do the trick parts, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so super fun. I'm glad that it happened because uh, it was canceled from last year, obviously. And then now it's on this year. Um, and and you know of course people love to watch the the main sports this the uh, the gymnastics I, I suppose basketball I'm not sure um, maybe swimming sure. I'm not sure you know I, mean, swimming I, I like to watch a, these weird swimming is kind of a big one in the summer I feel like it's kind yeah, of a big yeah. summer and gymnastics is always up there um, so yeah I yeah you know it, yeah I I am not huge into the Olympics I think it's fine whatever I don't stake any stock in my uh my my patriotism in how many gold medals we get and it just no, no. but I will say seeing skateboarding on there was pretty cool I'm about that yeah that's so. that's kick butt kick butt um so usually Mike and I I wanted to bring you into this and I was thinking about the, this podcast itself the genre of it. I was on a, a different podcast. I was being interviewed for the EdTech Bytes uh, podcast, and I was doing it in Spanish. And we were talking about, obviously, EdTech, and specifically, in this case, about game-based learning and, and Minecraft. Um, but I was thinking, as, as we were doing the interview and post the interview, I was like, what is on education <laughs> really about, right? So there's, there's a bunch of different stuff. And one of the topics that usually, or one of the, the sources of discussions usually is edgy twitter um whether for the good or the bad (laughs) or everything else in between you know as far as the thing goes and this week is is uh is no surprise we're bringing in a a few different topics and the first one was something that i know we've talked about several times on the podcast i think it was related to this teacher that had this room that was basically a harry potter themed room and it was like Someone snapped their finger and Hogwarts magically appeared in this room. And it was amazing. I mean, beautiful uh, uh, decorations and the entire thing, the entire uh, uh, theme was there. And so decorating your classroom is back in the edgy Twitter scope and people are really angry. Um, <laughs> and someone said here. They're passionate. Uh, they're passionate. Yes, they're passionate. Yeah, maybe not angry. Save your color schemes for your home decor. Teaching is about more than decorating your classroom. Now, the second part of that, teaching is more than decorating your classroom. Absolutely, you know, kind of thing. But the savior color schemes for your home decor is interesting. I, I Something must have rubbed this person and maybe other people the wrong way as far as, um, you know, the, the things that people post, the pictures and showing kind of like how they decided to go to decorate their bulletin board or whatever <laughs> else in between. Um, but 
it's every single year it seems to be come back to some of these kind of things brad yeah i think i think edu twitter edu twitter runs in cycles of rage like it's just yes. there's every year at specific times like you can always predict april there will be rage about standardized testing like yes, july yes. we'll start to see irritation about prep stuff for next year or june you'll see people complaining their principals make them do professional development over the summer like you know you have like the same yes. the same true, like true. seven topics come up seasonally i feel like <laughs> yes. um but yes. room decoration is always one of them i feel like it hit a little early this year kind of like uh, yes. you know the global warming has messed up the trends of edu twitter i think um, <laughs> it's 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 july we're, it's july. we're like, complaining about season's just starting we shouldn't be hearing about this i don't know um, at least wait to the fall early <laughs> fall at least you know but no, okay, so yeah, like a lot of these tweets when we start them, the, the idea is there. I get it. We should not. Yeah. And, and like the Harry Potter room was super cool. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. It was neat. Yeah. It was great. But it does on some level create this like standard that mm. you and I think in one of the tweets you linked here, it started with uh, this this one person, Rebel Music Teach, uh, is Emily, and then she links in another person that was talking about it, Mariah Stevens. And she says that the thing to keep in mind is you need to make like, are you doing this for your kids or are you doing this for your Instagram? Mm. And, and like, those are That's a good point. two different goals. So uh, to say you shouldn't decorate your room is absurd. Have you ever been into a teacher's classroom that hasn't been decorated? It looks yeah. like, I mean, most it's, of these schools are like concrete white walls. It looks like a, a murder song. room. Like it, it's, <laughs> they need it's a, to be decorated. It's, it's, yes. a, it's a necessity. It's not good. Put something yes. on the walls. But <laughs> I also don't think we need to create this insane standard where, you know, if I don't have wooden hand carved benches to complete my Hogwarts like dining room, like if it's not the great hall in here, then I'm not a good teacher. I also think that's a problem, right? So yes. Um, and, and the other thing that uh, another person pointed out in this thread was you need to make new teachers understand that this is years of buildup. Yeah. Like hopefully no one and and people do we know this, but in general we don't go out and buy like. $10,000 worth of decorations to put in our classrooms. Yeah. Like you get one poster yeah. for Christmas and think, well, my wife's not going to let me put this in the house. So I guess I'll put it in I my classroom. Put, like, it'll be that, my poster. I think that's how you're supposed to decorate your classroom. I don't know. That's yeah. my experience. But... <laughs> mine too. Mine too. Yes. Very similar. Yes. So I don't know. It's like, it's over time. So to, to take an extreme stance on decorating your classroom is hard for me. So I don't know. People chill the, out. I wonder how connected this is also to talk about cycles. Uh, we have a ton of posts. Maybe, may, I want to maybe even say the majority of educational posts right now are clear the lists, are, are things about, hey, this next year I need to buy these certain things. And again, it's a topic we've talked about also on the podcast. I, I, and then people have said this, they tend to worry about the types of items people are asking for, you know, or whatever it might, whatever it might be. Um, and I know that's big celebrities have gone in there and clear tons of donors choose, uh, you know, lists and, and Amazon lists and so on and so forth and, and gone in there. And, and some teachers just by their nature are, are helping each other. You know, they'll say, Hey, I'll, I'll get you this one thing, whatever it might be. We've even done it with the podcast. We cleared someone's list. I think maybe a few years ago, it wasn't this last year, but a few years ago, uh, just, you know, we're like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll also join this thing, but it's also kind of this, it's overwhelming because there's so much of it, but maybe this is the place where you post these kind of things. I don't, I, you know, I don't know like what the balance is. And I'm afraid that sometimes people are asking for things that are not, exactly necessary they're not the components of you know that you need in your classroom for example the 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 supplies the supplies that you basically you only have let's say a hundred dollar budget for the whole year and you're like i have about five hundred dollars worth of things that i absolutely need to be able to go ahead and do all the things that we want to be able to do with my students and i don't want to ask them to also have to come in and, and bring their especially if you know i don't want to put them in that situation them and their families i get that but then i'm also I've seen some stuff on these lists, and it's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't put that. That's not that good of an idea. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, you know, I if you've got um, floating candles in your clear the list, <laughs> I'm sorry, that's that's not. It's not. It's not good. what we need. I I know. I I know. You want your great hall. I get it. Yes. I understand. <laughs> I want to turn my office into the Great Hall as well, and I want a secret door. 
with a fat lady yes. poster on it. But I'm not going <laughs> to do that by having no. other people pay for it. Like, that's just, uh, you know, like you said, I think it's it's classroom supplies. And, and clear the list, in my opinion, is addressing a symptom and not a cause. It's like if someone yeah. had cancer and we all we give them is anti-nausea meds. Like, oh, you have a stomach ache. Well, no, I, I have cancer. Like, that is what we should probably address now. We'll deal with the stomach ache. Um, yeah. And I think that's what I have the problem with clear the list of. is And the idea that teachers are going to support and clear other teachers' lists. Like, I get that on some level it's beautiful. On another, it just it makes me, uh, like, sick. Like, yeah, yes. it's just... It's not okay because it's the whole point is that we don't have the funds to do this for ourselves. But uh, I, you know, I think across the board, it does. It's this cyclical, like we're about to get ready to go back to school. Some of us, it's next week to this, you know, other people have months left or whatever. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what you people are doing, but Florida, we're, we're ready to go. Kids are coming. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> you're, um, you're there. <laughs> but yeah, it's that cyclical piece. And I, and I agree. It's, it's, there's something about it that, it comes up every year and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's this, this thread of conversation comes up every year because it's a problem we're still not fixing. Maybe mm. that's the, the lesson to take away from it. Not that I'm sick of hearing people say the same things over again, but we're not fixing not the problems. Fixed. They're not no. fixed. No, no. If, if we had the supplies, if we had the ability to be able to, if, you know, a, a correct budget for, for those types of things, then obviously we wouldn't be posting these types of things. It wouldn't be so prevalent. Like I said, it might be the biggest thing on Twitter right now that's related to education. That's like that's continuously posted uh, by thousands and thousands of educators. Um, well, that the, and hate yeah, yeah. for a particular conference. I feel yes. like <laughs> I feel like that takes up a good bit of my feed in the last week. And if you if know. you don't know what we're talking about, it's the yes. uh, the get your teach on conference, which. I, okay, so their national conference, that is literally yes. their national conference, was in yeah. my backyard like a week it ago. Was. Never heard of this thing. When I looked them up, <laughs> they've been around for like six years. People were talking about how they've been going wow. to this thing for six years in one of the threads. I've never huh? heard of this. What is this? Is this is the first thing? time. And now, of course, I'm in the rabbit hole and I'm looking it up and learning about <laughs> it and – <laughs> I, I I I I don't know. So this is this is the get your teach on national conference and yes. You know, you and I were talking about it a little bit before we started and and it was a conversation on the uh the legendary group thread for on education and uh the group DMs. And so I it's it is um I, I feel like I don't know enough about this to say this, but it definitely feels cringeworthy. There's something about it that just looking at the Instagram feed, it, there's just a lot. There's a lot happening here. I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to find out exactly, though. Uh, I mean, there was a there was a tweet by Alex Chevron Vinette. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. Um, and she wanted someone to do an investigation, an article about the intersection of get your teach on L M L M's, sorry, and Christianity and write a long Atlantic piece or something. I'm begging you. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, something's going on here. And I mean, a lot of people are interacting with this and my, our friend of the podcast, uh, and good friend of mine, Corey Graham, she said something like you made me go look and now I need a lot of brain bleach for everything I saw on, <laughs> I, on Instagram. But to me, when I, you know, what what I saw was basically a conference and their social media accounts taking everything that happens at um, conferences like ISTE or FETC or any of the other national type of conferences. Schoology Next actually reminded me of this and really doing really a high quality level um, photography promo job for it so it's like you hired some people and they probably did i'm imagining that are super pros at putting out this type of content the this is this is the stuff that gets eaten up on instagram the filters the beautiful pictures the the ridiculous people just ecstatic and having fun or whatever it might be so i really wanted to know is like is there a message in there that is you know that can hurt people, hurts teachers, hurts students or whatever it might be. And it's more like, maybe it's just like a, something like where people go and they're having fun. They get to hear some positive messages about stuff. So but maybe not all a whole bunch of like content or specific skills or whatever it might be. But I couldn't find anyone to tell me, Glenn, here's one of the things that they preach. And I'm like, Ooh, 
you know, like kind of that thing. Diving into this, I will, I will say, has been a roller coaster of an experience because yeah. at first I saw everybody all irritated, and it was people I know and respect a lot of it. So I was like, okay, well, this must be actually not be cool. That, my first thing was, what the heck is this? How is this in Orlando? And I don't know about yes. it. Like, just so, <laughs> not that I mean, Orlando's huge. I guess that's not that weird, but still, I, you would think if this is some major conference that's going to get this much hype. I would I would have heard about it, but I haven't apparently. Yes. Um, I also, by the way, don't have anyone I know that came to Orlando for the conference because True. no one said, "Hey, I don't Brad, I'm going to be in town." So and yeah. it's, you know, every time FETC comes along or any other conference, major conference yeah. going on, people say, "Hey, I know you're in Orlando. Like, are you want to get it together? Grab a drink? Yeah, of course." So yeah. so none of that happened. So I was like, "Well, this came out of the blue." So. And I saw the irritation, people getting annoyed. I was like, all right, let's give this a fair lens. So I started looking at the Instagram. And yeah, it's it's a lot of smiles and filters and staged <laughs> photos. And there's a yeah. lot of that stuff happening, for sure. I, I for get sure. that. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, okay, but if you look at my feed from while I'm at ISTE... It's probably yeah. a lot of the it's not granted. I, I was a thinking lot, myself there's too. There's a lot more there's... selfies and a lot less filters, but that's just because that's all I know how to do. I don't I don't really do but but if I knew all those things, I'd probably I'd probably do some of those too. Like it's pictures yeah. of me and you hanging out and smiling yeah. and like I, so I was like, okay, let's let's give it a fair shake. Then the idea of trying to connect this conference to multi-level marketing and also Christianity, just that intersection kind of gave me some, I was like, Oh, why are they connecting these three things? So I started to look into the organization a little bit and you know, what I found interesting. Okay. And when I started to look into the organization and not just their conference, like this is just their get your teach on.com slash FAQs. No, like there are, I don't know, scrolling through this, maybe 15 FAQs. I think three of them don't have to do with money. Like, <laughs> like one is, okay, what are you doing to keep attendees healthy and safe? Okay, that makes sense. Fair enough. Yeah, Good first question. For sure. What should I bring to a conference? Cool. cool. Then it goes, okay, do you have merchandise or downloads available? <laughs> because, by the way, the first thing I ask about a conference do you guys sell you, merchandise? Because that's why I'm can coming. Can you give me some t-shirts, please? I really want to be there to buy merchandise. That's that's what I'm going for. We all know the ISTE store is the only reason any of us go to that conference. <laughs> exactly. But then it's like, then it's like, okay, a couple real questions. Then it's, do you offer discounts? By the way, the answer is no. Can I register Ooh. with a purchase order? The answer is no. Ooh. Uh, uh, can I change my conference registration? The answer is no. Can I cancel my registration and request a refund? No. What is Dang. your refund policy? We don't have one. Like, <laughs> I have more billing so questions. So once you get your ticket, once you get your ticket, you got your ticket. Then what else? Found interesting, you can't film sessions. There's no photography or videography Ooh. allowed in the session. So it's you can't. I don't know. There was something about it that just made me uncomfortable, and 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 it kind of there definitely seems to be a huge money drive with a mm. Instagram presence that says smiles and happiness and yes. I don't know. Maybe I'm not a good capitalist, but those two things don't work together for me. I would agree with you. I I was hoping that I would find, you know, the hidden <laughs> the hidden message, the hidden thing that was there, uh maybe something more that's like a blazing fire uh that was like, "Oh god. <laughs> Let's stay away from this." But agree with you 100% about that. I don't even know anybody. Not even one person. If you're a listener, please let us know if you went to this because I want to know. DM us, talk to us because we want to know if we're wrong um, or what this was about just in general um, because I don't even know one person that went to it. So that's kind of, that's another thing that's weird. Like you're right. I never had heard of it. It's huge right now because of the, you know, supposed, you know, I can't believe this, all this stuff. But I look at their, even their Instagram uh page is 138,000 people. It's super, like I am telling you right now, I'm looking at this is super pro. Their website, you looked at it, very professional. I mean, high amounts of money and investment went into that in the way that that's actually formulated and the way that it works and the way that it sucks you into the free products so that you can go possibly go purchase some products too. Mm -hmm. It's very, very well done. And you're right. Maybe it's just a big like capitalistic, uh, you know, suck in of people and, and people go there and get pictures professionally done and, and get hyped up. That, I mean, it, even get your teach on is it, is it interesting? 
it, it, it's leading. Statement too. It's leading. Yeah. I, yeah. The, the weirdest thing to me was as I was looking at this thread, and, and we linked to the thread uh, from from Alex. So so check that out because it's it's yeah. interesting. But one of the top replies was from Corey Graham, and she was screenshotting someone who was at the conference, and oh, yeah, gave kind of a reflection of how unstoppable, which is their phrase, it was. And the weirdest part is it's today was unstoppable with like shiny emojis or whatever. And then the next sentence is the tears were unstoppable, like for real. <laughs> Nothing on the Instagram gives me that. Nothing no, I no. have seen. This one thing is so contradictory to what it's like talking about anxiety, addiction, depression, grief, and the power of the word no. I saw I None saw of those things. Things are there. So maybe there is a powerful message. But they're so yeah. busy giving positive smiles and filtered photos in front of photo ops for Instagram that I don't yeah. see any of that. Yeah. And there was 2,000 people in that room, according to this person. You know, <laughs> they're just possible? like, guys, how do we not know anybody? I did so I, this weird. Is inter- this is interesting. If you know more information, listeners, yeah, please reach out. Please I would love to talk know. about this again next week with a little more information. Yeah. Or, you yeah, know what? With- Honestly, I would love to just have, we should, never mind. I won't put them, you can cut this out, but <laughs> I think we should have the founders of this thing on as guests. Please explain this we to me. We should, actually. Please explain this conference to me. I'm begging you. Yeah, it just just so we know exactly, like, okay, what's the ultimate purpose and then kind of what's some different things so that we get. Yeah, I right want to give it a fair shake. Message. I want to give it there a fair go. shake. You know, I I, I, just... I do too. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Matt Farber. We're building this virtual community of educators who share an interest in game design and teaching new skills. We will use this space to connect, to collaborate, and innovate with Sandbox. That's Sebastian Bourget. He's the co-founder and chief operating officer at the Sandbox. This community is here to provide guidance, support, feedback, and suggestions on how to best use the sandbox within the context of teaching and learning how to make video games. It allows also to connect experts and educators, bringing together existing creators and members of the sandbox game platform community with professional educators. The sandbox community has grown into a vibrant space of 100 plus educators. How can you get involved? More to come later in the episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week is Dr. Matthew Farber, an assistant professor of technology and innovation and pedagogy at the University of Northern Colorado and founder of the Gaming SEL Lab. His research is at the intersection of game-based learning and social and emotional learning. He studies affinity spaces of educators who use games in the classroom and how they afford student agency, while also teaching skills of empathy, design thinking, and systems thinking. He also works in youth initiatives around game design as a form of self-expression. Thanks for joining us again, Matt. Uh, Super appreciate that you're here. Uh, I was looking here. I was trying to find the previous outline. And get, guess when that was? April of 2018 was when we first had you on, on education. You must have been one of our first guests. I'm thinking one of the first episodes. Um, so why don't you start with how have you and your family been and how has your transition been? Because back then, I believe you were a middle school teacher, right? Am I placing um, you correctly? Let's see. In 2018, I would have been here in Colorado as an Oh, you would have already professor. been there. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what was that transition like though, uh, when you were as far as in the classroom to transitioning to being a professor and even moving from the East coast to, you know, the mountain West? Um, well, that's a really good question without like, um, trying to be, um, politically cordial to any listeners who are on the East coast, Yes, (laughs) but we are, (laughs) we are, uh, (laughs) Big fans of the move out here to Colorado. It's just an amazing Good. state. We'll just say that. Um, yes. You know, everybody's super nice. Uh, you know, some examples when you're when you're driving on the highway um, yeah. and you and you need to change lanes and you put on your directional. <laughs> people actually don't speed up to force you off the exit. So that's been a pleasant change. Um, I don't understand. That's that's not how you drive. That's that's weird. Uh, shopping, another example, you're at yes. any store, Walmart, Target, supermarket, yes. and you have like one or two items, you know, and yeah. uh, you're on a regular line. People will 
people will almost make you go in front of them so <laughs> you like, can go get ahead, out quicker. Go ahead. Yeah, go yes. ahead. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was so that all those bits were a little unnerving at first, right? Like, You're like am I okay? Hold on you know? a second. What are you? Yeah, what's going on? Here? Well, suspect. Yeah, you know, yes. I can't. And I was from the East Coast, so it was like the running joke was like, you know, we're in witness relocation out here. <laughs> um, but no, it's been great because, like, you know, we could take a, we get up for breakfast and go to Rocky Mountain National Park and mm. come back for lunch, essentially. Um, so I mean, all those like the dramatic vistas and, and staycationing, and uh, it's very like outdoor culture here, which is awesome. Uh, and um, for the uh, uh, lockdown, um, we were fortunate enough to uh, be in a location where we were able to stay safe, and mm. you know, like DoorDash and all of that, and and car delivery, but like we're one of the few states that got to 70% by July 4th for awesome. um, vaccinations, which was good. Yes. Um, so, and then, you know, our university, like many others, went online. But I would say the, uh, I guess if you're talking about moving from um, teaching in middle school to teaching at the university level, yeah. right? Um, that was, uh, that was, um, that was, a little different because what I teach is uh, I teach master's students, uh, you know, they're teachers, basically master's students and uh, PhD students. But I also mm. do teach undergraduates, the pre-service teachers, and I, I teach that basically every semester. So it's really nice to uh, imbue what we like, you know, I, I, I know your style of teaching, Glenn. So imbue that to, uh, to teachers so they can do that in the field. Awesome. And it's always interesting. Uh, well, you were a guest speaker uh, over Zoom um, last semester speaking oh, yes. about Schoology, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. it's really interesting to to imbue on them, like you know, no, this is really true. This is what lots of teachers do. This sort of thing, like they actually <laughs> teach in Minecraft, or they actually this is uh, real. <laughs> this is real. Like Flipgrid's a thing. Like I'm not just uh, loony or something, you know. Yeah. And uh, there's a bit of convincing, right? There was a bit of convincing with that for some undergraduates until until uh, the pandemic. And then mm. it's like when when my when my mom knows what Google Classroom is, right? Yes. Or when you hear like, you know, social emotional learning on the news, right? Uh, suddenly it's like way right in the forefront, right? So there's no doubt like why am I learning this or why am I in this class? Because it was a required course in content area classes. You know, if you're an ELA teacher, why am I in, a, in this course? Well, yeah. here's Twine, you know, uh, <laughs> here are all these other yeah. uh, forms of literacy, right, um, that you can learn that are enhanced with technology, Um so uh, I would say it was uh, really exciting to, um, to teach teachers, and I'm still teaching in the classroom. Yeah. So those aspects were interesting. But I guess the most jarring for anybody who goes into academia is, one, of course, imposter syndrome. And two mm. is um, all – well, if you remember going to college, there's all that empty space during the day. You know, okay. like, I mean, it's, a, it's not the class schedule of being a, um, you know, a, a classroom the, teacher. Yes. It's you a know, completely I mean, different type of schedule. Yes. Completely different. I have full days off in the middle of the week yeah. sometimes. Um, hmm. You know, I've, t the face-to-face -face teaching in the fall is a couple of hours a week. But then again, there's service. There's all the committees sitting on um, through the uh, school, the university, and then all of course, dissertation committees, and then there's all the research and publication, and suddenly all those side projects counted, because I know you're involved in a lot of these side yeah. projects, you know? Yes. And mm -hmm. all those suddenly are something that counts at the university level. Oh, I love that idea. <laughs> I know. So all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I can, I can write a book, or I can do research about games, you know, or all, all these things that, that already interest me, and they count for my work. Uh, that became very exciting, but it, it it's yeah. yeah, it's nice to have the free time. Like I can go pick up my son from school, or I can mm -hmm. like you know, I can do random things sometimes during the day if I need to. But then again, you're always on the clock, yeah. so it's always writing all the time, you know. And it's even worse than Amplify when you're talking about games and experiences. You know, you can go to Disneyland and like, wow, this is really interesting. Like I, I, I'm making a connection. <laughs> you know, like, no, no, stop thinking about these things. You know. <laughs> So one of the things you just pointed out there, and, and it and it might lead into what I was kind of thinking of heading to next, but it is you talked about the the main thing being the moving from the classroom, traditional classroom, into 
professorship and academia being the imposter syndrome. What what is what is the source of that for you? And and maybe I don't know. The, I guess the why and the how. What do you, how do you deal with it as well? Yeah, for sure. Good question. So um, I, I also mentioned that because there was a, a comic that's called Piled High and Deep PhD. And uh, <laughs> it's a web comic series among us academics. And I shared it in the uh, Playful Learning Alliance group in Facebook today. And uh, it's like, uh, we're going to play Among Us. Uh, so, and then the grad student or the professor like, somebody among us, somebody here is an imposter. And then everybody in the room is like, it's me, I'm the imposter. And they all fessed up, they're the imposter. <laughs> all the professors are like me. Yeah. <laughs> so, it says, it's called, it's titled uh, Among Us Academic Edition. Um, and yeah, for me, my, my imposter syndrome uh, is not teaching. I know how to teach. I've been teaching for decades. So I'm pretty confident in my uh, ability to teach in, in, in innovative ways. Like uh, when I taught, I would do things like uh, not have a desk in my classroom. I covered up my desk and made it like materials for students to use as projects. So I'd have to walk around the whole time, eliminate front of classroom or, um, you know, in, in bringing games and project-based learning and like all sorts of different innovations. And um, I think some people think they're innovations. This is like, I know this is how Glenn taught. <laughs> You know, to us, this is teaching, you know, I teach a course called alternative instructional formats, which is like, you know, gamification and uh, flip learning and all these things. And I'm like, it's not alternative. This is like, this is teaching. This is it. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, to me, though, actually, the, the, the most I've had of imposter syndrome was not at teaching teachers and teaching pedagogy, but it was the first time I dipped my toes into what is games? What are games and game-based learning? Hmm. Um, you know, when I wrote Gamifier Classroom in like 2014, 15, something like that, when I wrote it and came out, um, it was like self-taught. Like I, I attended um, like a Coursera MOOC. I uh, went to different conferences, but not too many. You know, I was on Twitter chats and I was, I was just like, it was also nascent in the field too, I guess, right? And then to write about it with a, a degree of authority, um, you know, I was reading books from like the community college library. I took out books on game design, like rules of play for, for my own self-interest, which mm-hmm. is, of course, of course, that's what we want for self-directed learning, right? That's what we want from students. That's the point of things like Genius Hour, right? To for inspire sure. learning. And I was reflecting on that. That's what I was doing. But then when I came to like, you know, Games Learning Society conference, right? Or if I go to like, um, you know, I would sign up for like every conference, like, you know, with folks, uh, panels and things. And like, I didn't, I don't have a degree in this. I have a degree in educational technology Hmm. and uh, a history degree in the bachelor's. So I'm like, what if somebody calls me out on not knowing like what games (laughs) and learning are, right? Um, But since then, um, I mean, it's really all like self-taught, like, you know, oh, here's Bartle's, um, you know, the Bartle's uh, test, whatever the, you know, the, mm-hmm. right. And things that people talk about now, and like, and I'm just now sometimes, and I'm like, I don't know, I, I feel like somebody's going to say that I'm an imposter, right? I don't know what I'm talking about. Now, this is like six years ago. So since then, I've written a dissertation on this. Um, you know, I've gone deep. I've, I've been trained by the Institute of Play at the time when they were around, um, mm. you know, I, I know the people in my dissertation lit review, some of them personally, you know, and I've written and published papers. So I think, I think I'm okay there, right? But now <laughs> I'm writing about social emotional learning. And again, oh, yeah. I don't have a degree in psychology, right? So I, I sometimes sense that maybe somebody could call me out on that. But I do projects, you know, I'm in projects with UNESCO writing papers on social emotional learning. And after writing this book, Gaming SEL, um, I'm pretty confident I know my uh, way around social-emotional learning, like the critiques, not the oversell. You know, there's a lot of that. Um, So I think I'm okay, but it's something that's quite common. Everybody goes through that. I'm I'm sure at a conference you may have felt that, you know? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Every day. Literally today at work. (laughs) Every day. Yeah, Brad, you as a vice principal, I mean, going from – all your different positions and then going into administration 
I literally it's... looked at one of my coworkers today and I was like, I looked at him and we had just finished a meeting and I was like, you know, that went pretty well. I might actually be good at this. And she was like, you're doing great. <laughs> I don't know if you're supposed to voice not, that out loud. <laughs> I'm not sure what you want to hear from me right now. Um, so, no, so that's interesting, Matt, that you say that because one of the things I was going to ask is kind of kind of going the other side. You know, like you said, you, you did teach for decades, but at this point you've been in academia and the one professor. Decade, one decade. Yeah, about decade, sorry. <laughs> uh, you did, you, you know, and you, but at this point you've been in academia at the, the university level for a, a few years now. And, you know, you, you talked about your new book and we'll probably talk about it more in a second, but how do you, keep connected to the classroom experience of a quote-unquote traditional teacher, K-12 teacher, with um, being at the, the university level? Another great question. Um, I would say uh, I, I think it's really important for me to, to be as close as I can to folks that are in the classroom. But, you know, um, uh, <laughs> there's another thing I'm sure you, you can both relate to this as well. Um, like, you know, you think you have a lot of video games and then you look at somebody else's Steam library and they, they just blow you away. Like Mike's. Yeah. Mike, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you think you have, like, I have a lot of, um, you know, I think you have a lot of uh, books, board games, or records and CDs back in the day. Somebody yes. always has more, you know. So the person that I think is who, who does this uh, better than me is uh, Scott McLeod, um, who is uh, on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, he's at CU Denver. And he's, he's awesome. You know, I see him around in, in Colorado. And he's he's always checking in on, like, Instagram. Like, I'm here with the uh, school district in Aspen doing a professional development. It's, he's, like, always doing that, like, on the, on the ground mm. with teachers yes. all the time, um, which is terrific, right? And I think it takes a team, you know, a team. We all have our different expertise, um, like, a, like a good uh, co-op role-playing game, you know? Like, there's... You know, there's the uh, like like the game <laughs> pandemic, right? There's a good uh, uh, quarantine expert. There's a medic, you know. So yes. I think uh, folks like Scott McLeod, awesome, right? Um, to me, I I try my best to stay um, to toe the line because there mm. is that difference. There are academics and teacher education that are looking at you know um, you know there's all the different issues out there. You know, that we need to discuss. Um, you know, with, with pre-service teachers, you know, whether it's social justice, whether it's, um, you know, equity, uh, yes. all these all these issues, right, that are part of making a rich teacher education program. Uh, to me, I, I, I try to stay current on, on Twitter, uh, stay in touch with teachers as best as possible. Um, I'm also the secondary teacher education program coordinator. So, mm. you know, we work with placing um, teachers in school districts around the Greeley, Colorado area. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot, you know, it's a lot to follow. It's like educational technology, like what's new and shiny and what's not so quality, right? Absolutely. Matt, uh, so you were talking about your new book, uh, Gaming SEL or Games as Transformational to Social and Emotional Learning. Um, and in the book, you discuss the importance of thoughtful guidance when using games with children. I just was being interviewed about this and the concept of using Minecraft, for example, um, as far as in classes. Mm -hmm. And you have a great quote here, at least uh, in the introduction of the book, about games themselves cannot be responsible for children's learning. You have to have a supportive educator or caregiver guiding that experience to, so it could, it, that that's a crucial component of it. Can you elaborate more on this um, and, and maybe even like give us some tips for springboarding, like for teaching SEL with a specific game or just in general? Like if you were going to use a game mm -hmm. to springboard that discussion, how do you go about that? Because I think that freaks a lot of people out and then they end up just – uh, a lot of teachers end up just using whatever is canned and given to them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, they're reading from a you know a script or something like that instead of trying to really pull what what they can from the kids and really having those rich discussions. I don't know if that's a good question. <laughs> There's a lot there. Yes. Um, yeah. So where to begin? I think I, I, a good starting point might be a, a project that I write about in the book, but I'm also in the midst of this project. So with uh, Tracy Fullerton at the University of Southern California, uh, sh her, her team at the Game Innovation Lab published Walden, a game, which won a bunch mm. of awards based on Henry David Thoreau's work, right? 
And uh, she, she received an, extent, an extension grant with the National Endowment of the Humanities. So uh, myself and uh, Matthew Hamilton, uh, one of her PhD students, uh, were developing curriculum around that game. Uh, awesome. Right? So we, uh, we meet every week and just nerd out on Thoreau, basically, <laughs> <laughs> and how to develop curriculum that's meaningful. Um, yes. Right? So I, as far as now teachers on the other end, what I do is um, I have teachers in my teacher education course and my new literacies classes in my um, uh, multi-literacy courses also. I have them read um, and listen to James Paul G's um, 36 Principles of, um, of ga- Good Games and Good Learning, mm. right? Like um, systems thinking and multiple routes principle and hybrid identity and, and those things, right? But I have them then play games that I personally curate, like, uh, like Florence, uh, mm. Sky, Children of the... Of the um, of the light sorry slipping my name i should know it's on the cover <laughs> uh you know like games like journey uh games like um uh, walden also um bury me my love uh those sorts of games a little bit different than like a game like uh, slice fractions right mm. so you have a ba- so i think it's important to think of the, the variety of games and I used to be like the record store snob, like, oh, no, that's not a good game, you know. Like, <laughs> like Kahoot, that's not good. That's, a, that's just a quiz with music and a timer. It's not really a game, like, you know, like, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed Discovery Mode, you're in, like, ancient Egypt. That's yeah. what you should be doing, right? That's a, not only is that a big leap for many, um, yeah. I don't know that Kahoot's not a game. It's not... It's not the be-all, end-all of everything, right? Um, there are lots of different books we read. There are lots of different types of TV shows we watch, right? Uh, so, of course, there's a spectrum of different types of games, right? Mm. Um, so I think it's good to introduce, like, light gamification and light games in the classroom, right, for teachers. Uh, but it's also important to expose teachers as well. Like, here, play Sky on your phone, right? And then think about these principles from James Paul G., and isn't that also a little bit different than um, some of the other uh, rote games you may be playing in the class? The other issue I found is that you've got the games that, you know, you're not doing like, you know, we used to call it like chocolate covered broccoli, not to like keep banging on that expression. Yeah. But like whatever you're doing in the game is not what you're supposed to be teaching. Right. So then mm-hmm. you've got games that are more elegantly designed, like, you know, uh, games where what you like slicing um Slicing objects to learn about fractions. But what I found in a lot of different uh, educational technology platforms is they took that to the thousandth degree and they mm. became teaching machines, um, right? And there's yes. a really good quote from Tracy in my book, actually. Um, and I, this is what Tracy Fullerton said. And again, she's the uh, she's a former, she's done some work for Disney Imagineering. And she's also the... Um, lead of um, Walden, a game. And uh, she's a professor of game design at the University of Southern California. And she wrote the book, um, uh, uh, she wrote a book about game design, Game Design Workshop. And this is what she said. It's a quote in my book. Um, I won't cite the page. Page 73. (laughs) Games by their nature problematize (laughs) things. The creation of play is slippage in a system. Games do not lead you directly to learning on purpose. They take an inefficient, playful route to get to the learning. And that is the learning. We need to acknowledge that games' benefits are often the opposite of what most learning game specialists think the benefits of games are. So we have a game like Walden, right? Well, it's her game, right? But we're making, well, she already did, mostly, uh, 30-minute modules that are totally free to play. They stream on a Chromebook in a browser, right? Mm. So you don't have to download anything. And then we were designing curriculum around it. And the curriculum treats the game as an emotional experience, um, like a book or a form of media, mm. right? And I think that's really an important takeaway. I don't know if I'm, like, fully answering your question here. No, you are. Uh, but I love it. In my book, I, I also – I frame – games around a concept in psychology called mood management theory. So it has nothing to do with screen time. 
uh, or moral panic around screens. It has everything to do with the why, right? So uh, there's in mood management theory, basically there are two types of games uh, or two types of media, sorry, not games. Um, there are hedonic experience, right, which um, is like hedonism. And in uh, self-determination <laughs> theory, we, we would call that, uh, we don't call that, um, uh, the, the authors of self-determination theory, uh, Desi and Ryan, they call that a, quote, pure escapist diversion, right? Mm-hmm. You're watching a Fast and the Furious movie, right? Uh, or you're playing um, uh, Mario Kart, or you're watching SpongeBob SquarePants, right? That's hedonic. And oftentimes, adults and teachers even though mainly adults are playing games, but sometimes teachers think of like Candy Crush, right? Um, yes. You know, or Fortnite. And it's perfectly fine mentally to have a hedonic experience. If you come, if you're in Zoom school all day or you're in, in real school all day, you know, <laughs> I used to, I came home and I watched DuckTales, right? Um, and I watched, <laughs> you know, Darkwing Duck. I watched hours of this stuff. He-Man, right? I watched, I watched hundreds of hours of TV, you know, and here I am. I'm, I got a professorship, right? <laughs> I, that was the screen time, you know? Um, and my book is also framed around uh, Fred Rogers, right? So Fred Rogers saw that kids were already watching TV, so let's harness this for good, right? Yeah. Now, um, the other form of media is called eudonomic media or eudomia. And that is a different form of media. That is one that inspires awe or it makes us feel more human and when we go hmm. through this experience, we feel a sense of catharsis, that we've made it through this deep, this difficult emotional experience. So you might be watching The Walking Dead, right? Uh, and yeah. you're, you know, all these zombies are coming out or walkers, right? But when you're yeah. done, you're like, I, I did it. I made it through this thing. But you can't just watch The Walking Dead all the time, right? So after watching yeah. The Walking Dead or playing Resident Evil, you're going to want to do something more, um, more relaxing and cleansing, Right. It's like if you compare a movie like Interstellar to Star Wars, there are different mm-hmm. mental experiences. Um, you know, you might play chess, but after playing chess for a while, you might want to do something a little bit more, you know, not as mentally strenuous, which is yes. where hedonic media comes in. And that is the why. That's why kids are on devices. That's why mm-hmm. we are on devices. That's Great why point. we play games. That's why we. Do what we do. That's why we watch certain Netflix series. I can't watch, you know, dark British cr- crime procedurals all the time, you know, because they get really dark, the British ones, yeah. right? You know, like you're watching <laughs> Luther and you're like, wow, this is really dark. And then it gets even darker, right? <laughs> I can't do that all the time, you know. I have to put on the, break, the great British baking show, you know. I yes, have to like yes. mentally unwind. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, now, if you have, ch- if you have children journal about what's in their media diet and then Mm. reflect on why they're consuming certain media and then we consider games as media because that's what tracy does right there you have games like slice fractions perfectly fine to learn fractions slice objects learn about fractions kahoot interesting way and playful way to not just rote quiz but to introduce content to students in a playful way right but then you've got games that are actually full-on media. And I think those sorts of games are not educational technology. If you're playing What Remains of Edith Finch, Gone Home, uh, you know, A Night in, Night in the Woods, right? Um, you know, a game like that, um, uh, Spirit Fair is another one, right? Those games are not ones where you're going to have a dashboard and figure out like, oh, did, did, did they read enough Post-it notes they found around the, haunt, the empty house, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are experiences. And just mm. because they're on a computer does not mean they're technology. If you're streaming a documentary on Netflix through a smart board, onto a screen, through your computer, and it's in the internet, that, is that technology? Is a Ken Burns documentary technology? When I got my, my master's degree in like, I don't know, 2008, I started, discovery streaming was considered like, you know, part of educational technology. Everything's streaming now, right? It's what's called an invisible technology. An invisible technology is like, you want to go to your car. How do you unlock your car, right? You don't put your key in. You click the thing, right? That's an invisible technology. Lots of folks say to me, I'm not really good at technology, you know, and I look at their wrist and they have an Apple Watch on and they all, I'm sure they have Netflix, right? But those are invisible technologies. They're not intrusive in their lives. And I think more and more games Mm. uh, that they're in our pockets, 
and that they're more ubiquitous and they're they're um, they're telling narrative. They're the campfire of the 21st century. I've said before, yeah. um, they're not really technology. They're they're an experience. They engender emotion, just like film and books do. And when we think that think about good games and how they engender emotion, that's where social emotional learning can come in. That was a fantastic response. <laughs> yeah, like I, yes. I'm with you, right? Like I, I, I am with you, and I'm sure you know Glenn and I both, as people who have used games in class and play games ourselves, I, I'm with you personally. And I, and I love the concept and and of um, and I've heard it presented different ways, but I like the concept used of sort of the hedonistic and the uh, ude, you don't, ude, you know, yeah, and it's really hard to pronounce. And I, I, I've even chatted with like you know you know Rachel Cowart, uh, take this. Maybe I don't know if you've seen her on online. Rachel Cowart, no. K-O-W-E-R-T. She's, she's amazing, great to follow. Um, and she's a, she's a, um, she does a lot of work in this space. But I wanted to even make sure I was, I was having imposter syndrome about <laughs> mood management theory because I'm, I don't have a degree in psychology. I mean, I've taken psychology courses and, you know, it's my dissertations. But, like, that's not my lane, I guess, right? So I, I picked her brain separately. I'm like, I have all this. But I need to hop on a Zoom with you to make sure I'm doing it. I'm writing this correctly. You know? <laughs> and she's like, don't even bring up hedonic and you don't you you dynamic media. You know, just say mood management theory. <laughs> but I think it is important to classify that there are generally accepted okay. two forms of media. You know, and and we do turn to media for certain reasons. And media psychology is is older of a field than game based learning and social emotional learning, and it overlaps with self determination theory. And I think. From a grand sense, self-determination theory is where we should be going with social-emotional learning. And self-determination theory um, has aspects like you know autonomy, competence, and, and relatedness or belongingness, right? And you know you play among us because you feel like you're part of a group. You could talk about it over Zoom. Uh, my son plays hide and seek on uh, with his friends. He played it during lockdown in his Minecraft world. You know, he publishes Minecraft World, invite his friends in, and they go on Zoom for fun. Um, you know, cameras off, and they play hide and seek in his in his world, and you know that creates that sense of um, belongingness, competence, and um, uh, autonomy, right? And now, when the 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 loftier goal of self determination theory is called human flourishing, so when these basic needs are met, right? Also, like when you look at um, other forms of self-actualization, like in um, Maslow's hierarchy, right? That is what we want. We want human flourishing. And games can afford that because games engender, good games engender that positive psychology. I, I like, I like uh, Super Mario Kart is like a really good analogy because those question blocks, right, are never random. The question blocks are always there to give you a sense of confidence in that race. If you're in 12th place, you're, you'll get the bullet or the star to go to third place. If you're in first place, you'll get a banana peel or a coin, and you'll likely get ink on your screen, which will push you back to like fifth place, right? And what's even more interesting is that if you watch children play it for a while, they start to... Um, they start to think like a designer, which is one of James Paul G's principles, and they realize that this is a design system. They realize what's going on yes. with those blocks. So they yep. will intentionally, <laughs> like my son's 10, he will play in like fifth or fourth place. He will never want to go to first place until the last lap because he's gaming the game, right? So even in a simple racing awesome. game, there's a lot of, a lot of cognition going on, right? Um, but yeah. I'm not sure where we're going with the question, but I think possibly folks who are not gamers, like to get them to think about games as uh, vehicles for uh, evoking emotion. And I think there are a lot of opportunities to do that, but I think the phone offers some of the best opportunities. So I think like playing a game like Sky, Children of the Light is great because it's free to play. And it's all about like you're rewarded for like earning things and giving it to other strangers you're playing online with hmm. you know it's built in gratitude um, <laughs> and it's beautiful That's super or, cool uh, matt how can our audience connect with you and obviously find your latest book to be able to purchase it um yeah so i'm at at matthew farber on twitter and my website is matthewfarber.com and the link to my book is there i also 
create a, like a mini website for my book, uh, which has some links to where it can be purchased, some uh, discussion questions if anybody decides to do a book study, Twitter chat thing, you know. Um, and uh, it's on Amazon. It's available on Kindle, also on Amazon, and paperback. And uh, for some reason, hardcover, but I think that's just like for me and my parents to buy. <laughs> I, I mean, I get free paperbacks for myself, but I guess, I don't know why. Collector's edition? There's yes. no NFT of the book, if that's what you're looking yeah. for. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a, my hardcover signed copy from Matt Farber. That's don't buy the hardcover. It's too, I don't know why. They, it's expensive. Like, who's buying the hardcover? I guess a library, maybe, but really? Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt. Uh, can't wait to have you actually on for a third time then for soon hopefully (laughs) happy happy to be on happy to be a part of this thanks again for um supporting my work the sandbox is creating a learning ecosystem where educators can learn in weekly streams bring ideas into their classrooms collaborate with other educators and become sandbox ambassadors our goal for the stream is to show the world how low the barrier can be to teaching and learning game making through our no-code and accessible platform. Anyone can do it. Passion and education. You can feel it in the streams as we explore and share ideas around game design implementation in your teaching practice. Join the community to learn more at go.participate.com sandbox. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Brad Shuffler. My co-hosts are Mike Washburn and Glenn Irvin. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is Mr. Washburn on Twitter. Glenn can be found on Twitter at Spanish, and I can be found at Brad Streffler. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you would share it with them. Please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.